0: Well, this is the final Sunday of Advent. For those of you who are visiting us for the very first time, we have uh, been lighting the Advent candles. There's five here total. There's four Sundays in Advent. Uh, The first Sunday in Advent began in the last Sunday of November, so we lit that first candle. And Then every Sunday since, we've been lighting the Advent candle. We've been encouraging you to celebrate Advent because we believe that in this season where everything is rushed and crazy and we're trying to buy gifts for one another, we often fail to see the greatest gift. And that would be Christ Jesus, our Savior. So this Advent wreath is simply made to highlight the light that Jesus brings. It starts with one candle. It builds and builds and builds until finally, normally on Christmas Eve, for, but for us we're doing it Christmas Day, we light like the fifth candle, the Christ candle in the center. And to do that this morning, I'd like to invite up the McDaniel family. We have Mickey and Dina, Charlie, Rosie, and Abby. And one of them is going to read several scriptures and the rest of them are gonna light the candles without burning themselves or the building. So whoever's gonna read can you can you wanna hold that for? There you go. All right.
1: Malachi three, one. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom I, whom you seek, will suddenly come to His temple, and the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, He is coming," says the Lord of hosts. Amen. Luke two twenty five through twenty seven. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came into this, he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to, according to the custom of the law.
0: Great, thank you. Thank you, McDaniel family. Can we thank them? Oh, friends, Jesus is the light of the world. And this morning, we're going to explore Simeon's song. And so if you would please turn to Luke chapter 2, the passage that Rosie read there. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. Luke 22, 22 to 35 the title of this message is God's indescribable gift. God's indescribable gift. Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 22. Luke 2:22, please. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, and the they there is Joseph and Mary, They brought him, and the him there is Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23 of Luke 2. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, or Messiah. Verse 27, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now this is Simeon's song or his canticle. Lord, imagine he's holding the baby Jesus. He's saying this. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Friends, one of my prayers this morning for all of us here is that your eyes would see God's salvation. Whether you have been a believer for many, many years, you would see it anew. Whether you've never known the Lord, truly known Him, your eyes would be open to see God's salvation. Verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And Simeon is the first one now in the New Testament that's going to bring in the Gentiles. This idea of Gentile and Jew is going to receive God's salvation. Look at verse 32. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. He's, remember, he's in the temple. And for the glory to your people, Israel. Verse 33. And his father and mother, Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about him. Can you imagine this poor little couple coming in with their poor little offering? And this is said about their baby, Jesus. Verse 34. And Simeon blessed them, so he turns to Mary and says to her, imagine Mary, little Mary, maybe she was 18, maybe she was as young as 14 or 15, in the temple, and he says this, Behold, verse 34b, Behold, this child appointed is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is to be opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning you would open the eyes of all of us. Lord, start with my eyes to see Jesus afresh and anew, the salvation that you have brought to us. This would not be a road tradition. This would not be something we do every December 25th, but this would be a fresh encounter with you, O oh Savior. And Lord, you know my prayer. Those that are here that don't know you, whose eyes have not been opened, may this be the morning. May this be the morning, in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. Guys, Christmas time is really a time for gifts. Many are given and many are received. Kids, those of you who are here this morning, thank you. You're normally not in with us, but you are. Perhaps some of you are participating and anticipating opening gifts right after the service. How many of you still are going to open your gifts after the service? Raise your hand, kids. Ah, great self-control. Hurry up, Pastor. Finish that sermon, buddy. (coughs) I love you, but I love those gifts more. (laughs) Okay. Or some of you might be like the Pino family. We opened our gifts yesterday morning. Sorry. We did Christmas yesterday. Pretended yesterday was Christmas. Uh, It was great for me to see all the gifts being opened and the smiles on the faces of my children and now my grandchildren, which I have three. Thank the Lord. And I don't know about you guys, but we in the Pinot family make Christmas lists, and we send them to one another via email. I received some of my kids' Christmas lists months ago, thanks to my wife, who is an incredible administrator. She administrates this whole Christmas gift-giving thing. And so for months, we've anticipated certain gifts that were on our list. We've been waiting for them. We've been hoping in them. And then on Christmas morning, for us yesterday, we all gathered in our living room, And each person takes turns passing out their gifts to the others. And to do that, this is a new tradition that one of my son-in-laws brought in. You have to wear this really silly Santa apron, okay? And Joseph was the first one that had to do it. So I got plenty of video on Joseph doing that. Just see me, guys. Great, great stuff to post on Facebook. So you don, the, you don the Santa apron, and then you take all your gifts and hand them to everybody, and then one, one at a time, everybody opens them. It was great to see the faces of my children. Ah, oh, I've been wanting this. Oh, this is great, thank you. And then of my grandchildren, you know, kind of knowing what's going on, kind of not, but it, it's just great. They had the gifts that they'd been hoping for in their arms. And folks, this is what our text this morning is all about. God's people receive God's gift, the greatest gift of all, and they rejoice. Joy. Joy is, 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 is cast in this entire story. So let's go into the story. Let's look at the first point of the story. God's people. God's people. And when we talk about God's people, we've got to talk about Joseph and Mary. Look again at the text at verses 22 to 24. And when they came, and when, time, and when the time came for their purification... According to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written, the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. All right, so what's going on here? So Joseph and Mary, they live, now they're living up in the the Nazareth area, and they bring Jesus to the temple. And this is the context for the setting to Simeon's song, which we're going to get to in a moment. And we find Joseph and Mary, their parents, their faithful parents, they're coming to the temple. Listen, they did not have to bring Jesus with them, according to the law, but they did. Okay? This is why they came to the temple. Three reasons. Number one, they came to offer purification for Mary. Now, that was in the law. A woman, when she had a baby, obviously there's a lot of blood. And blood in the Jewish culture would make you impure. It made her impure for 40 days. So she had to come to the temple and offer an offering of sacrifice for purification. You see that in this text. But secondly, <clears throat> they came to offer a sin offering. Interesting. The Jews understood original sin, even though our culture does not. You're not born good. There's no innocent baby. Every baby is stamped with the mark of sin, original sin. But wait a second. We've got, we're talking about Jesus here. Let me assure you, Jesus did not have sin. Jesus was not fathered by Joseph through whom the sin, the original sin, would be transmitted, but rather by the Holy Spirit. So why did they have to bring Jesus? Why, why bring that offering and bring it they did? Let me tell you why. Because they obeyed the Father. Because Jesus, I believe, was coming, even though he didn't need that sin offering. Mary and Joseph certainly did. But he was coming, and this was prefiguring what would happen when he was 33 years old, 33 years later, when he would be the sin offering for the world on the cross. And these people were so poor that normally you came with these offerings, you brought a lamb for a burnt offering. They couldn't afford a lamb. They brought two turtle doves. Or pigeons, okay? And Mary and Joseph brought this humble offering and they made the atonement. And friends, I want you to see something here. This is a clear indication, a clear indication of the poverty into which Jesus was born. Think about this. Think of the reminder of the humility of the incarnation. God is humble, He didn't come as the son of a king. He came as the son of poor people who couldn't even offer a lamb. They brought two turtle doves, two pigeons. And they came thirdly. Firstly, purification for Mary. Secondly, offering for sin, though Jesus did not need that offering, so it prefigured the cross, and it shows their poverty and the humility of God. But thirdly, listen to this. They came to dedicate Jesus to God as the firstborn son. Now listen, many of you children that are in here, I had the privilege of dedicating you. Okay? Janelle, I remember dedicating you. I, re- I remember the day, Janelle, when you were born, and I remember the doctors, you were about this big. I remember the doctors saying, I don't know if this child's going to survive. I remember walking down the hallway with your, with your daddy, and he said, this is the longest walk of my life, and there were, there were so many tubes coming out of your little body. And God 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 brought a miracle to you. I know your middle name is Milagros, which means miracle. And then I remember the day your parents brought you here to dedicate you. Now, you don't remember that day because you were a baby. And many of you I can say that about. I held you in my arms, and I dedicated you. And here's what I want to say to you kids. Just like Joseph and Mary came to dedicate Jesus because Jesus belonged to God. You belong to God. And your parents came, as Joseph and Mary, faithful to to the, the, the house of God to dedicate you, saying, yes, it is my child, but I know this child is yours, Father. I am going to parent them for really all their lives, but intensely for the first X amount of years. But they're yours. They're yours. That's why we dedicated you. That's why Joseph and Mary dedicated Jesus. They were faithful people of God. They came to the temple to worship God and offer these sacrifices, even as your parents have brought you to worship God on this Christmas day. But listen, most importantly, what this text highlights is not Joseph and Mary, but God preparing Jesus as the sacrifice for sins, the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He's being prepared as our Savior, as our Savior, the Savior of the world. I just, want to, I just want to read this one scripture. Even though Jesus did not have to be, receive the sacrifice for sin because he was not born with original sin, listen to this scripture, what would happen to him 30-some years later. It's in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made Jesus Christ to be sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, he we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gift. That's the gift. That's what was happening in the temple. The focus is on God preparing his son to be the sacrifice of the world. The only righteous one. The only good one. The only one who ever, ever, ever didn't have to be brought to the temple to have a, a sin offering would become sin for you and me. He was being prepared to be the perfect lamb of God, the sinless sacrifice for our sins. God was preparing for us the most indescribable gift imaginable. Still under God's people, how about Simeon? Look at verses 25 to 28. Back to Luke 2, 25 to 28. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Can you put the next screen, please? I love this picture of Simeon. I don't know if you can see that very well. Buddy, that makes that just that still brings tears to my eyes. Um, just imagine Simeon holding the baby Jesus. Imagine a, a, a gentleman, maybe he was old, maybe not. Some people say he wasn't that old, actually. We're assuming he was old because he says, I'm ready to die. But imagine that scene. And imagine him holding that baby. And then imagine him saying what we just what we're about to read here this is the Christ this is the Christ and as you're viewing Simeon here let me tell you a few things about Simeon Simeon was a common man (laughs) he probably was not a priest this probably was not in the main part of the temple this was maybe in the the court of the Gentiles around the outside this is an area where women were allowed to be because Mary was there so he's just a common man with uncommon faith God had told him that he would not die until he saw the Savior. That's what we read in the text. The Messiah, the hope of Israel, the one who would comfort his people. And he believed that God would keep his promise. And he hoped in God and in his gift from God year after year. How often, friends, imagine with me, must Simeon have walked the streets of Jerusalem waiting for the salvation that God had promised to give? We can imagine watching parents present their children in the temple, perhaps even pulling back maybe what's covering the baby's face to look and peer into their tiny little faces and wondering which child would be the Christ. Then one day, Christmas Day for us, The Holy Spirit, he was a devout man. He worshiped God. And the Holy Spirit led Simeon into this outer court where he met the desire of his trusting heart. In the providence of God, he was in the right place at the right time to see the Christ. He was led by the Spirit, according to Luke 2, 26, into the temple. And when the parents brought in Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. So he's taking up Jesus in his arms and he's blessing God. Look, his face is upward. His eyes are shut. He's saying, thank you, God. Yahweh. Jehovah. Christmas Day times 10,000. Greatest gift, kids, you can imagine. Times a million holding this little poor baby in his arms. Next, next slide, please. And now we talk about God's gift. God's gift, point two. God's gift, God's people, God's gift. God's gift is Jesus Christ. Listen now to the song that Simeon sang with Jesus in his arms. He sang this song. It's a song. Some old man holding this poor little baby, a nondescript couple from Nazareth, from nowhere. And he's singing the song. And listen to this song. Verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Oh, friends, I pray your eyes would see God's salvation. Verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all people. You've done it right here. You're preparing him in the presence of all people. The proper sacrifices, the proper offerings are being made. You are preparing him to die on the cross. Now, of course, he didn't know that at that point. Verse 32, and who is this Jesus? He is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, Simeon's song is known by a very fancy name. Now, kids, how many of you are taking Latin right now? Raise your hand if you're taking Latin. And all the parents go, Latin? Yes, Latin. All right, I see that. All right, so tell me if you know what this means. Nunc Dimitis. Nunc Dimitis. You don't have to say it out loud, tell your parents. If they tell you parents, give them whatever they want today. Nunc dimittis. That is a Latin phrase that literally is a translation of the first part of his song. Now you are letting your servant depart. Nunc dimittis. Basically, can I translate that into modern English? God, I'm ready to die now because the thing you told me you would let me see before I died, I'm holding. I'm ready to go. This is why they think he's an old man. Not necessarily. He could be a younger man. He's just saying, I'm ready to go. I've seen your promise. I've got the gift, indescribable gift. I'm ready to die now. Nunc You can let your servant depart. What does that say to you? It's the theme of the Advent series. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises you promised i would see the savior and now i've seen him and now i can die simeon's heart soared i love that picture head thrown back eyes closed he's just shouting singing to the lord by the revelation of the holy spirit simeon had good news not just for israel but the whole world revolutionary what he's saying The salvation that God provided in Jesus is for everyone to see. It is for all peoples, Luke 2.31. To make his meaning clear, Simeon went on to specify that Jesus came for the Gentiles as much as he came for the Jews. Friends, this is the basis of our evangelistic outreach around the world. Simeon's prophecy is about global evangelism. Jesus is God's light to the nations. He's the light of the world. You know, I was thinking about this whole sermon about light, You don't need light during the day. Last night, I was coming home from a Noche Buena celebration. I love Miami, don't you? I mean, the streets were jammed with cars. It's like Christmas Eve. Where's everybody going? They're going to celebrate Noche Buena. I was driving down the road. I mean, I was getting concerts from all the backyards, you know? Just, I mean, people, cars parked all over the place. I turned into my neighborhood. You know that neighbor I talked to you about? You You need to come by and see this house, okay? It's amazing. It's on West Oakmont. I mean, I mean, like, it's like it was daytime in his front yard, okay? It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was necessary. This morning I drove by on my way to church. The inflatable Santas were not inflatable. And it looked very ordinary. It looked like a bunch of bulbs and wires around trees. Last night, it was amazing. The light shines brightest in the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world but not just of the Jewish world, of the, the, all the world. He's the savior of all people. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. No, all types of people. Jew, Gentile, Cuban, Puerto Rican, Chinese, Russian, African, Uganda, from Uganda, from Brazil, all people, all races, all types. He's the savior of all the world. Simeon prophesies this. Excuse me, he sings this, and this is revolutionary. Now, it's not really because it's what the Old Testament was saying, but it was hidden. The whole world is covered with darkness through sin, but Jesus has come to dispel the darkness, to shine the light of salvation into every dark corner of every dim heart. May he do it to your heart this morning. It is because of him that we have a gospel that we can take to all the nations and offer to everyone. We can say to people, look, here is salvation. Jesus Christ is God's light for the world. See him and be saved. And I say that to you this morning, you who are seated here. See him and be saved. And now Simeon's eyes had finally seen the glory. He had seen Jesus. And in Jesus, he had seen the salvation of his God. Of course, neither Simeon nor anyone else is saved simply by by the birth of Jesus. Jesus still still had to live a perfect life. Listen carefully. Here's the gospel. Jesus still had to live a perfect life. He had to die an atoning death and he had to rise to eternal glory. There is no salvation without the cross and the empty tomb. But already at this point, Simeon could see that salvation that had come in the person of Jesus Christ. And therefore, that God would do everything else to save him. The child in his arms was not simply part of his salvation, but salvation itself. Jesus is all that anyone needs to be saved. The coming of Christ had one very important implication for Simeon. It meant that he was ready to die. Next slide, please. Have you seen Jesus? Are you ready to die? I'm quoting from Philip Ryken in his Reformed commentary on Luke Quoting Philip Riken, anyone who has seen Jesus with the eyes of faith is prepared to die. And anyone who has not seen him, whether young or old, is not ready to die at all. When we see Jesus and his salvation, we are ready to be dismissed from this life, listen, in peace. Peace and joy cover this passage we're reading. And enter the life to come. Have you seen Jesus by faith? By faith. Have you seen him crucified for your sins? Have you seen him raised for your salvation. It is then and only then that you are prepared to die. This quote will be posted on the web after this sermon. It's only then that you're prepared to die. Are you ready to die, children? Are you ready to die, adults? I don't know how old Simeon was. He wasn't necessarily old. The picture set showed him as an old man. Maybe, maybe not. But it didn't matter. He had the gift of God in his arms. He was ready to die because of the salvation of God. He'd seen it by faith are you ready to die oh this leads us to the third point our response our response our response and, and in Simeon's prophetic word to Mary when he when he holds the baby and he sings this thing and we see in verse Luke 2, 33 Luke 2:33 and the and his and his father Joseph and his mother Mary marveled marveled at what was said about him so so Joseph and Mary are standing there, just two little poor people in this huge temple with their two little turtle doves. Nope, not impressive. People that are far more impressive. People that have, like, groomed lambs that are, like, gorgeous, you know, they're like the, the Lexus of lambs, you know. And, and they're, like, you know, they're just walking in, you know. I got my bling, okay. I've got sin, but psh, here's the sacrifice. Uh, you know, they're walking in with their little two doves, little pigeons. And this old man comes up just takes their baby throws his head back and says god he's the one and sings a song that's like what i don't know how many people could hear him i think a bunch I think a bunch. And I think a bunch of those people, 33 years later, God chose to be saved. I don't know. God's the one that elects us. God's the one that chooses us before the foundation of the world. I don't know. But I, I believe that. And I believe they remember that song. And I believe, you know, God allowed me to be there that day. Now, Simeon probably wasn't there. But, but they were. Mary certainly was. At the cross. Are you there? Verse 34. Here comes Simeon's prophetic word. He's got the baby, turns to Mary, and starts to prophesy by the Holy Spirit to her. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, quote, behold, verse 34 of Luke 2, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, verse 35, and a sword will pierce through your own soul, Mary, also, and then end close parentheses, and he continues the prophecy, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is appointed, friends, for the fall and the rise of many. That's what this prophetic word says. And Jesus, he is going to reveal our hearts. Here's what he reveals. Will you submit to him or oppose him? There's no middle ground. Jesus is the sign that is opposed. That's what it says in Luke three thirty-five, 2.35. People will despise him. They will reject him. They will take their stand against him. In the end, of course, they nailed him to a tree and left him to die. By the way, this is the sword that pierced Mary's soul. When he said that to her in parentheses in verse 35, that's what he was talking about, the crucifixion. But here's what I want you to hear. Simeon's prophecy shows that from the beginning, God had a mission for Jesus that required him to suffer and die for sinners. That's what this dark prophecy means in this joyous moment that is marked by joy, in this moment of faith. It is, I've got the present, but then the prophecy comes, wham! But there's going to be a a sword that, that pierces your soul, Mary. And he will be opposed, and he will reveal hearts, and he will divide. It's the cross. The crucifixion. Listen, it was already in God's heart. We know that from Scripture. He was slain from the foundation of the world. It was not a surprise. It wasn't an unexpected development. It was the fulfillment of the preordained plan of God. God's plan was for the salvation of his people. Quoting now a lengthy quote from Riken, I don't have it here, but let me just listen to what Riken says about this. Jesus exposes what is really in our hearts. If we are truly humbled by our sin then we will see our need for grace and be drawn to Jesus, who will make us rise to glory. Right? It says there he'd be for the rise of some. Verse 34. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. In fact, the word that Simeon uses for rising, anastasin, is used elsewhere in the New Testament for what? Resurrection. Resurrection. Everyone who believes in Jesus will rise to heaven to the glory of God, yet some people refuse to be humbled by their sin. They stand proud, not recognizing their need to be forgiven, thinking that they can make it on their own. They are offended by the idea that salvation comes only through Christ and his cross. You want to know why Tim Tebow offends people? It's certainly not because he can throw a good football. He offends people because he talks about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's polarizing, not Tim Tebow. Why would anyone else have to die for their sins? People are offended. Why does he have to die for their sins? Today, the substitutionary atonement of Christ is under attack in the church. Forget about outside the church. Why the bloody cross? Why this God that kills his own son? Well, that's cosmic child abuse. It's offensive. It's offensive to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven to the Father. See, but the problem is, he's something they cannot get around. Something they keep tripping over. Listen, when it says that he's a rock of offense, for a sign that is opposed, verse 34, this this idea of an offense, the rise and the fall, what he's talking about is this whole idea in Isaiah that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, a stumbling block. See, people, people, they don't believe. They're offended. They speak against the sign of God's love that has been offered to them. For it searches a man's heart and some will be scandalized by a salvation which can only be achieved by the way of the cross. This is the way it's always been, folks. When people truly understand the claims of Christ, most of them are scandalized. This explains why some of our family members scorn our commitment to Christ. It divides I had to to recently send a letter of apology to one of my family members that lives in another city. I, I do believe I was offensive in the way I shared Christ. That's what I apologize for. But I can't apologize for the scandal of the cross, which offended. Now, what doesn't help is when, I know this might shock you, when I'm a little strong in sharing it. It explains why there's so much resistance to Christian truth in the secular college campus. It explains why other world religions are all united in their opposition to Christianity. Listen, this is the very thing that Jesus came to do. Don't you see it in the text? He came to reveal the true inward condition of every heart, whether there's faith or unbelief. When people are opposed to Christians, it is because they're opposed to Christ. Now, caveat, it it doesn't allow us to be harsh and arrogant and offensive in our ways. But the message is going to offend and scandalize. That's what Simeon prophesied. Actually, that's what God said through Simeon. Whatever opposition we face is a sign that he truly is present in us. So here's the question for all of you. But for some of you, it's an urgent question. What is your response to Jesus? Are you for him or against him this morning? Will you rise or will you fall? This is the great question of life and death because what God will do with us for all eternity depends on what we do with Christ right now. What God does with you for all eternity depends on what you do with Jesus right now. He's the great divide. God uses his cross to reveal our true character, working out his eternal decrees of election and reprobation. Reprobation just means to be a reprobate, to be judged. An election means to be elected by God based on God's will alone and God's love alone, not on our merits alone, based on, on God's purpose and will. He works those out. There's no neutrality, folks. Either we are with Jesus or we are against Him. And if we are against Him, we will fall. We will fall down to spiritual death, down to physical death, and down to hell itself. Merry Christmas. Thought so I'd throw that in there to soften the hell itself thing. But it's not a Merry Christmas. If we don't receive the greatest gift of all. Luke tells us that this is so that, that we will come to faith in Christ. God is speaking to you right now. If you're here, it's, it's not to condemn you. It's so that you come to faith in Christ. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to bless the world and save the world. But if we don't believe, we're condemned already. God doesn't condemn us. Our unbelief does. And rightly so. He wants us to... to to hear His Word. Friends, those who imagine themselves to be strong and high... rely on their own merit and power will come to woeful ruin and undoing because in their pride they do not realize their own need and doom and do not take refuge in Christ. Oh friends, may that not be you and if it's you, may in a moment when I pray, God give you the grace to humble yourself and come to this Jesus, this Christ, this indescribable gift, this humble baby who, I was reading in Isaiah recently, there's nothing about him that attracts us. We we despise him. There was nothing in him that drew us. His, His form was not like, wow, look at him. No one's said wow when Jesus and mary came into the to the temple no one said wow everybody missed it but those whom god gives faith and see him like a simeon grab him and saying i've seen him but the humble ones those who bend low at his feet with confession of sin and faith in him will be raised up by god's mighty arm to eternal life here's my appeal final slide God keeps all His promises to us through His indescribable gift of Jesus Christ our Savior. What we do with His gift determines whether we rise or fall. Dear friends, bow your knee and heart to this humble child born of parents, very poor parents. Who? Who? This humble child born of humble, poor parents. He's God. He's God. God in the flesh. He's the indescribable gift to us this Christmas. Let us pray. Father, I pray for my friends who are hearing me live right now and those who will listen perhaps digitally online. Lord, I pray for my friends who might not, still have not seen you, Lord, I pray you'd open their eyes. Lord, you are sovereign in these matters. Lord, I just pray you use the preach word, God, to open our hearts, to open eyes. Lord, I preach to blind, I hold up Christ to blind eyes. I preach to deaf ears, believing that you're the one that opens those eyes. You're the one that opens those ears and that there would be sight and receiving of this, this Son of God, the Savior, not just of the world, but my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand for the blessing, the benediction this morning? Just look this way. In Christ, I pronounce over you the blessings that the the angels proclaimed that night to the shepherds. Luke 2, 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. I say to you, if you are in Christ, fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring to you good news of great joy. Oh, I bless you with good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's us. That's the Gentiles. For unto you, and may unto you this morning, is born this day in the city of David a Savior. If you do not know Him, may you be born again this day. If you know Him, may He be born anew in understanding a fresh love for Him who is Christ, Messiah, the Lord. And may you hear with the angels and join with them, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. I speak the peace of Christ into your life, a peace that passes understanding from the Prince of Peace. Among those with whom he is pleased, if you are in Christ, God is pleased with you. Amen. Go in the pleasure of God in Christ. You're dismissed.